We have still folks all over the building, but thanks to our, our great staff, uh, Big Brother is watching you. There are screens all over the building as well. But, uh, but listen, as folks are coming in, don't stare at them. Don't think, where were you? They did exactly what we want. They're slowing down, having a donut, having a, some tea or whatever. But while we get started here, why don't you open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts. Oh, horrible. Try that again. Uh, open your Bibles to the book of Acts. There it is. I mean, after the boos and the whats and the gasps that I got for two whole weeks opening to somewhere else, I say, open to John. What? Uh, we're in Acts chapter, Acts chapter, where are we? 14 today. Now, I need to tell you what's happening. Now, you, we are, because we were already in Acts 13, this is sort of after the fact, but we are in this series called the Spirit-Filled Church. We have two big ideas. We want to learn what it meant so that we can live what, live what it means. We have no interest in just standing back behind the velvet cord, staring at the picture of the Spirit-filled church going, well, isn't that interesting? We want to be, we want to live the Spirit-filled church. Now, beginning in chapter 13 in the book of Acts, we have stepped into a, kind of a subgenre, a little a, a part of the narrative that, is, uh, that describes the missionary journeys. Typically, they're called the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. And it, covers, it covers most of it. Paul, Luke has moved from a, a majority narrative about Peter and Jerusalem. Now he's gone to Antioch and Paul and Paul's travels. What that means for us is that really starting last chapter, but especially now that I want to say that now that we're in 14, I want to emphasize this. What we will be listening to, what we're learning about is really the, the missional dynamic of the Spirit-filled church. This is the Spirit-filled church on mission. Somebody say on mission. This is the Spirit-filled church on mission, uh, uh, the, the, the message of the gospel being spread, being carried from place to place. So we, we may not find a lot of specific data on, you know, what we should have for dinner or, you know, manners or that kinds of things. So there may be some devotional material that may not be present as it is elsewhere, but there's going to be a lot of principles for us to lean into, learn from, and imitate. I'm glad that my wife agreed with me. There's going to be a lot of principles for us to lean into and agree with. Amen. Good. All right. Very good. All right. So here we are. Uh, so I'm going to do, we're going to finish chapter 14 today, uh, today, and then in the next two weeks we'll finish chapter 14. Then we're going to take a little bit of a pause and back by popular demand, will be the Heritage Champion Series. That means that for four weeks, members of my staff will come each weekend, and they will speak, and they will talk about who the Holy Spirit is to them and the difference he's made in their life and invite all of us to share that experience. It was a big fan favorite last year, our, our Heritage uh, Team Series, so here we'll bring it back. All right, chapter 14. You ready? Here we go. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual, per use, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively. Has anybody ever told you to read your Bible out loud? 
I, not told you, that sounds like someone's bossy. Encourage you. Read your Bible out loud. And read your Bible out loud not like it's the back of a mayonnaise jar. Right? Read it like it matters. Okay? It'll, it'll change your life. There, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. There, thank you. I said, oh, oh, that should be a respect. That should shock us, make us sad. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Yeah, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot. Among the Gentiles, among both the Gentiles and the Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and to stone them. But they found out about it, and they fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derb and to the surrounding territory, where they continued to preach the gospel. Woo! The spirit-filled church speaks a message of grace with the witness of heaven. I'm so impassioned, particularly today, about the witness of heaven. But before we get there, let's make sure we know what happened here. In verse 1, it says, they went to the synagogue as usual. Somebody say, as usual. As usual, Paul and his companions, they go to the synagogue. That's where they go first. We said before, that is a place that would, would have been the most fertile, most receptive to their message. Paul, I shouldn't say never, but it, it's really never. Paul doesn't begin strategically he doesn't he doesn't start on the sidewalks he may be ready for them but he presents his message he presents the message of the gospel first in places where people have gathered for religious reasons and are likely to listen and what is consistently seen in Acts is that what happens in the synagogue never stays in the synagogue. Now, that is not necessarily by design, but by default. It wasn't a strategy. All right, guys, first we're going to go to the synagogue, and then we're going to go over to the sidewalk, and then we're going to go to the 7-Eleven. No, uh, it, was, it was not a strategy. It was an impact. This was organic. This, in other words, what, it, what happened in the synagogue had such an impact, had such an effect that it couldn't be contained. It affected the synagogue, and then it would spread out from there. And right away, what we need to say is, we can see a principle to apply or to a really a principle to expect. It would be hasty for us to make direct connections between the contemporary church and the synagogue because when Paul went to the synagogue, literally everybody there was a candidate to be born again. Now that may or may not be true here. But there may be some of us that still have not surrendered to the Lord Jesus. But, and, and there are similarities to the synagogue in that the kind of the structure and the tradition of church as we know it really springs from the tradition of the synagogue. But also, we have gathered here today with somewhat at least of a religious inclination in our hearts to listen and to receive, even if someone made us come. But the biggest principle is this. 
this should be true of us, that what happens in church should not be able to be contained in church. That what we experience here should be so profound and so powerful. We should expect such a profound and powerful experience of the presence of the Lord that it will become our expression as we leave this place. My mama in church today. And there in the synagogue, they so spoke. The more wooden Greek says, they so spoke, or they spoke in such a way, NIV, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and, pardon me, of Jews and Gentiles believed. Some would say a great number. We are not supposed to be about numbers. We're not about numbers, but we are about great numbers. We don't obsess about nickels and noses, but boy, do we love great response to the kingdom of God and great harvest. God wants his house full. Full, full, full. We are looking, there are 400,000 people within arm's reach that can be, that are candidates for the grace of God. And they so spoke, they, they were so affected that a great number believed. Wow, how exciting. How was it that they spoke? What did they do? What can we emulate? How was it so effective? Can't wait to hear it. But first, verse 2. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles, poisoned their minds. So regardless of their effectiveness, they still had opposition. These are things we need to pay attention to, friends. Regardless of their effectiveness, they still had opposition. That The fact that there was opposition to their message didn't mean that they had failed. Hello, church, lean in, be encouraged. The fact that they had opposition didn't mean, well, we didn't, well, we lost. Well, God must be against us. Well, this must be the most unchurched area of Turkey. <laughs> well, no, regardless of their effectiveness, they had opposition. And we learned something about the opposition as well, that those who opposed them were those who refused to believe. What does it mean to refuse to believe? It doesn't mean to struggle. It doesn't mean to have questions. People have had questions. People that follow Jesus a long time have questions. Questions are good. There's never been a question that knocked God off his throne. Never. Bring the questions. Ask the questions. Explore. That's what faith does. It seeks truth. They weren't asked, but these people weren't asking questions. They weren't struggling in that way. What to refuse to believe is not a matter of the mind. It is a matter of the heart. It was not lack of evidence or lack of testimony or believability of the message that prevented them from believing. It was their will. They had drawn themselves in opposition to the message itself. Now, friends, this was a reality for Paul. It's been a reality throughout the ages, and it remains a reality now that people will refuse to believe. But what we can learn from Paul is that Paul respects their right to refuse to believe. Meaning he does not coerce them or badger them or threaten them for not believing. We do not seek to convert people by the edge of the sword. That's a different group. It didn't work out too great. We do not, you cannot insult or intimidate people into faith. 
You cannot. A man, the old adage is true, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Nor does Paul change his message in order to accommodate or attract those who refuse to believe. They don't believe. Well, maybe we can change it. Maybe if we, maybe if we soften the demands of the gospel a bit, we can get more people to come to church. Yeah, maybe more people will follow Jesus if we tell them they can bring their sin with them. <laughs> this hurts. Does he mean that? No, I don't mean that. But what, Paul doesn't modify his message. He doesn't do any of that. He respects people's right to refuse to believe. Now we learn another thing. What do, what's the method of those who refuse to believe? What, do they, what does that look like? How do they respond? Look at them. They don't seek to persuade. They don't engage in reasonable uh, counter-argument or question and answer. They don't persuade. They poison. They vilify the message. They vilify the messenger. And Paul, we learn from Paul, we, don't, we should not attempt to defend or engage with that kind of stuff. Just move on and stay on message. Also, we should be aware, as we're reading through the text, that sometimes it may, in fact, be you and I that are doing the poisoning. Be careful that you don't find yourself the villain in the story. Now, verse 3, here's the fun part. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. They, they spent time speaking boldly. Somebody say boldly. Luke loves boldness. He loves it. He loves to write about it. He loves to find it. He loves to talk about it. He loves to attribute it to people. It is a consistent trait of those people in Acts who speak the truth in uncomfortable or unfriendly scenarios. Boldness. Boldness is the opposite of timidity, of cowardice. But boldness is not crass. Boldness is not crass, it is not harsh, it is not even bossy. Bossy is bossy. Boldness is not carnal. Carnal, counterfeit boldness is arrogance and dishonor and rudeness. It is loveless. Boldness is Free, boldness says, I care more about you than what you think of me. And I'm going to speak the truth to you because out of love for you. But carnal boldness is just compensating for fear. It is masking fear with aggression. That's not boldness. So how do we get bold? How many people want to be bold? Well, boldness isn't a, isn't, doesn't come from, from flexing or from squeezing. Boldness doesn't come from raising your voice. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 12, says it very clearly. It's so awesome, it's just fun to say. Paul, talking about the hope that we have, that in Christ the veil has been removed, and that we're being transformed from glory to glory, and that God has made us adequate, he has made us sufficient ministers of this new covenant of the Spirit, that God has enabled us to get, he's given us this message, he's anointed us, he's given us competence, and so we proclaim Christ, and we know that when people turn to Christ, the veil is going to be removed. They're going to be transformed to the glory of the Lord. Well, all of this is by the Spirit. 
And Paul says, since we have this hope, verse 12, since we have this hope, we are very bold. Boldness doesn't come from raising your voice. It comes from raising your hope. Let hope rise in your hearts and in your mouths, and boldness will come as a natural consequence of the hope that you have. The Spirit-filled church, therefore, is very, very bold. You host the hope of the planet. You are hope dealers. You're the boldest people on the planet. Nothing can intimidate you because nothing can take away your hope. You should just be crazy hope people. What is with those people? Oh, we're possessed by hope. Yes. And then the Lord confirmed the message of his grace with signs and wonders. Signs and wonders, we see two things in that sentence. First of all, signs and wonders are confirmation of his message. Confirmation is the same word as witness. The Lord witnessed to the message of his grace with signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are a confirmation of his message, not of my opinion or my personality. It's not, it's not an endorsement of my status. The Lord will anoint us and use us to do signs and wonders, but, but not because that you are a big shot, but because Jesus is the shot. Yes. Every name at the bottom of a sign, a wonder, a miracle, a gift of the Spirit, every name signed at the bottom is Jesus. Yes. And that should give you, that should, get, that should keep you humble and happy at the same time. Humble enough to say, I can't take credit for it, but happy enough to know that anybody can do this because it's Jesus is the one at work. Jesus is the one doing it. Jesus is the one signing it. And he is, the, he, is confer, he is confirming his message. So you don't even have to worry, oh, Lord, have I got the message just right? He's not confirming your doctrine. He's affirming your faith. Wow. Signs and wonders are a confirmation of his message. Signs and wonders also are a confirmation of his grace. Woo, somebody say his grace. What is his grace? His grace, the grace of God is his kindness, his goodness now. Somebody say now. now. His, in now. Right now, the expressed, exercised, empowered kindness of God breaking into your life, demonstrating with power his loving kindness. That's the grace of God now. And God, he affirms the message of his grace with signs and wonders. But, he, but it's also a confirmation of the grace that is to come. It is assurance of the grace that is to come. When the Lord ministers in signs and wonders, it does two things. It communicates to us in the now God's affection, God's love for us, his power in our life. It affirms his presence among us, but it also gives us assurance of the age to come. It reminds us that we are people stamped with eternity. It reminds us that while we are experiencing His grace now, there is an immeasurable grace that is still to come. And so therefore, friends, signs and wonders, they're not an elective. They're not a, they're not a denomination. They're not for special times, special people, special services. They are normal for the Spirit-filled church. They are the witness of heaven. And the Spirit-filled church embraces 
and relies upon the witness of heaven. Verses 4 through 7. The people of the city were overwhelmed and everyone in unison believed because they preached boldly and had the witness of heaven. The end. Oh, if we were writing the story, wouldn't we like it to end like that? But here's how it worked. They preached boldly the message of his grace. God confirmed that message with signs and wonders, but the people of the city were divided. Even with the boldness of the apostles and the witness of heaven, the audience remained divided. Some were with them and some were still against them. And those who were against them were very serious. They planned to riot and then to kill them. That is worse than being unfriended on social media. It is worse than being blocked. <laughs> it is. What? Yes, it's worse than a, than a bad DM. That's a direct message. Jesus. Even with bold preaching, accompanied by the Spirit's power, there will be a divided response. There will be. Let that encourage you. There, we, the message, the principle here is there will be no isn't there will be no response. It could be a very fantastic response, but we need we need to come to the text and see that the, that Luke is describing that from the start there was a divided response. But here's what we can learn: like the apostles, we must not modify our message in order to make it more palatable or to accommodate the preferences of those who refuse to believe. That doesn't give us license to be carnal. But neither is there any evidence that the apostles paused to navel gaze over the rejection they experienced. Rejection was not their counselor. Hope was. Rejection was not their counselor. Hope was. Persecution wasn't their counselor. Hope was. If people refuse to believe, do not attempt to nag them into the kingdom. Stay on message and look for people who are willing to believe. The question for really for us might be this. For us listening today is this, have you believed? Have you become a disciple of Jesus? Have you repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can receive the promise of the Spirit? Have you believed? If you have not, today's a great day for you to place your trust in Jesus Christ. And as we've said before, we have a tank ready for you today. Well, you might not come ready, but we've been ready for you. Yes, yes. We do have those who are prepared this morning to uh, be baptized in water. We're gonna, I'm going to have them get ready, and I'm going to meet them over there in just a minute. Make your way to the tank if you're ready.
So let me close now by just encouraging you this way. The Spirit-filled church is very bold. We speak the message of His grace with the witness of heaven. We speak the message of His grace with the witness of heaven. How about you this morning? Are you receiving, are you relying upon the witness of heaven? Do you know that heaven wants to right now witness, testify to, confirm the grace of God in your life? Do you know that heaven wants to break into your life with a demonstration of the kindness of God that will do two things? Communicate to you today that he sees you, that he loves you, And secondly, give you an assurance that you too are stamped with eternity, that there is an age to come, that we are a people that not only have hope for this world, but a greater hope for the next. Can I ask you to stand together? as I want to pray for you before we do water baptism. Anybody across this house, just say, today I am a candidate for the witness of heaven. I need the witness of heaven in my life. I am a candidate for the kindness of God to break into my circumstance and confirm his grace. Would you lift both hands if that's you, wherever you are, just lift them up. Just hoist them up like you're ready to receive something big. In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare to you that you are seen that you are known, that Jesus Christ has stepped into this world and he has borne our sin and he has, he has brought us near to God and that through the gift of his spirit, his powerful grace comes into your life. But let the witness of heaven bring healing to your body today. Let the witness of heaven bring healing to your joints, your tendons, your tissues your nervous system. Let the witness of heaven minister to those on your heart right now. Loved ones, you're saying their name right now. Let the witness of heaven break into their life with healing virtue, with loving kindness. Let the witness of heaven come upon you to give you direction and to give you hope, to give you peace, to give you an assurance that God sees you today. He knows your name. He knows your past. And His grace is far more than sufficient. His love for you is immeasurable, and His power towards you is great. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we give you thanks and praise. Let us live receiving and relying upon the witness of heaven. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody said amen. Amen. Would you take your seats just for another minute, friends? Pastor Young, are you helping me over here? I see Mrs. Dab. What's she do? Oh, towels. All right, what's going on over here? Are we, yeah. are we having Dad do it? Dad is doing it. This Excellent. Is, this is I'm Jeremiah gonna, Papo. I'm going to step right here. James, you got this? I got this. I'm going to stand right here and just say, yes, amen. <laughs> All right. Love you, son. Hmm. You excited? Yeah. So uh, from here on out, are you going to follow Jesus Christ for the rest of your life? Do you honor him and love him with all your heart? And you will follow his commands and his ways? All right, let's do this. Good job, Dad.
city route down in there, bro. It's warm. Got a microphone right there waiting. All right, Father, we thank you for Jeremiah, Lord. Yes. And uh, we just pray that your your love and your spirit will just be with him from here on out for the rest of his days, Father. And we just thank you and we love you, Lord. Jeremiah, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Cover your nose. There you go. Amen. Everybody say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, meet this boy in the waters of baptism today. We bless this family in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and give God thanks. Can we do it? Come on, stand together, folks. We're all done here. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. Be kind to somebody. Head to the cafe. Say hi to somebody. God bless you. You are dismissed. Let's make room for more folks.